which is known as Ihsan, which has been discussed in the hadith, very famous and well-known hadith of Jibreel Salatu Jibreel once came in human form to Rasulullah and he inquired about many things. Nabi gave the answers. The Sahaba Ikram were sitting around. They were a bit confused that this person seems to be somebody who is a stranger, who has come from far away, nobody knows him from here, but yet he is so immaculate, and it seems like he has just come fresh out of his house here. So this was something that was a source of confusion for them immediately, initially. But in any case, he asked Nabi Islam some questions, and then Nabi Islam replied, and then he went away, Nabi Islam then told the Sahaba, go and find him, bring him back. They went to look for him, they can't see him anywhere. Whereas he just left. And if he just left, then he should be somewhere. They're looking for him all over the place and there's no sign of him. So they returned to say, to inform Nabi Islam what happened, that we can't find him anywhere. By that time, Nabi Islam then informed them that now I have realized that it was Jibreel Salatu Salam who had come yu'allimukum deenakum who had come to teach you your deen so this questioning that was happening and the answers that were being given was the entire crux of deen Nabi Salatu himself then is saying that he came to teach you your deen he asked about what is Islam, what is Iman, what is Ihsan, and then, so to say, to round it off, then will Qiyamah come. So regarding the last question, Nabi Islam replied to him, that neither do I know, nor you know. Mal mas'ulu anha bi'a'lama min as-sail. Which means neither you are away nor I am away. This is only in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala when Qiyamah will come. But the point that we want to take from here is that Nabi Wasallam said that he came to teach you your deen. Obviously in one sitting all the details of deen can't be taught in one sitting. But these were the principles, the fundamentals that we all discussed. So in the fundamentals, he asked Mal Islam, 
He asked Mal Iman. In one riwayat first, it is Mal Iman. In the riwayat of Muslim Sharif is first Mal Islam. So in any case, when he asked about Iman, Nabi Wasallam then replied to him and gave him all the Imaniyat. That you bring Iman and faith in Allah wa Ta'ala, in his angels, in his messengers, in his books, etc., etc. So all the things that de- deal with our aqaid, with our beliefs. So deen, this is the foundation of deen. Without the correct beliefs, there is no deen. So deen has to be on the correct foundation. It has to be on the foundation of the correct beliefs. Then he asked, what is Islam? So Nabi Islam replied, by giving the fundamentals, the pillars of Islam. Salah, zakat, fasting, and some riwayat, hajj. So these aspects are also part of deen. So a person who wants to be on deen, and deen is the only prescription for success. In dunya and akhirat. There is no other prescription for success. Everything else is a deception. Deen is the only prescription for success. So in the deen, the foundation of the deen is this correct aqaid and correct beliefs. And in the deen are the correct a'mal. A person has salah in his life. Without salah, is like a head without a body without the head. So his salah is in place, his fasting is in place. And zakat is due upon him, that is being discharged. Hajj is compulsory upon him, that is not being delayed. So all this is part of deen. But often our concept of deen stops at this point. That a person, alhamdulillah, has the correct beliefs. And he's performing his salah. And sometimes he's performing not just his five times salah, he's making many nawafil as well. He is punctual with his tahajjud, mashallah, excellent. He is making ishraq and chash and awabin. Very, very good, excellent. And then a person is not just fasting in the month of Ramadan only, he is also fasting on other auspicious days. Maybe he's even got the tawfiq of fasting on Mondays and Thursdays as a sunnah fast of Nabi Wasallam. So mashallah, he is doing that also, excellent. And then zakat is due upon him, he is discharging that zakat, he is not restricting it to that zakat only. Because the rights that others have in one's wealth, that has to be discharged also. If there is rights upon Sometimes a person's parents have a right in his wealth. If they have no means and he has excess of his basic needs, he is obliged to then assist them to the extent that he can. That's a right. He's discharging that. فِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌّ مَعْلُومٌ لِلسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومٌ Allah Ta'ala says that in their wealth is a known right, is a stipulated right. لِلسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومٌ For the one who is begging and for the indigent, person who is totally penniless, they have a right. It's not the same compulsion and obligation like zakat but there's a right also so now somebody is even discharging that so mashallah what a wonderful thing 
and somebody has performed his first hajj, he has not just performed his first hajj, he has made many, many nafil hajj also. And he has made umrah upon umrah as well. So, mashallah, this is all excellent. But often our concept of deen finishes off on this point. That the aqaid are in place, the correct beliefs are there, and the amal of deen in this regard are in place. So now, we might regard even ourselves as a super Muslim. Now, what, what more you want me to do? But Nabi Wasallam, at the end of this whole incident that took place, he said to them that, أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ فَإِنَّهُ جِبْرَئِيلُ أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ Jibreelisalam, it was him. He came to teach you your deen. And Jibreelisalam didn't only ask about Iman and Islam. But he asked three things. And Nabi Islam is saying, he came to teach you your deen. Your deen includes all these aspects, not only two-thirds. So now often we confine our deen to this point, we so to say are divorcing one-third of deen and the rest of it we are saying is deen. Without that one-third. In this particular context, in the context of this Hadith Sharif. It's like a person now, he's got two-thirds of a car somehow. The other one-third, maybe it's the engine side of the one-third. He says, but I got a car. How far is going to go with that car? And indeed, this particular aspect, the other last one-third, is actually the engine and everything. It is like that car without the engine, if this other last one-third is missing. And that is the third that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi asked the question, Mal Ihsan. What is Ihsan? And Nabi Sallallahu replied, that anta abudallaha ka anna ka tarah fa illam takun tarahu fa innahu yarak which the crux of it is that the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is embedded in your heart 24-7 this is the crux of it now a person is performing ibadat that too is with the same consciousness and when he is doing his business that too is with the same consciousness he is with his family, that is true, with also the same consciousness. He is dealing with a stranger with the same consciousness. And he is dealing with his own wife and children with the same consciousness. He is eating with the same consciousness. And he is sleeping also with the same consciousness. My Allah is watching me. My Allah is fully aware of what is going through my heart and mind. My Allah is watching every step of mine might be the darkest night and it might be the most remote corner but Allah is aware of it so this consciousness this is ihsan and when this consciousness comes it transforms a person's ibadat it transforms a person's muamalat without this consciousness he will also do business he'll do business to earn the dunya full stop and with this consciousness, he will do business. Not to earn the dunya. To earn a halal living and to serve the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. It will be a whole transformation. When the earning of dunya would be the only thing in front of a person, to earn dunya. 
Then he will learn dunya however he can earn it. Rightly, wrongly, he will take another person's one slice away in order to meet his target of one million. He's got a target now, I must make a million a month. So now that person's one slice also, if it will help to meet my target, take it away. And if he is earning a halal living with the intention of also serving the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala, that will be a different thing altogether. There was one great personality, Lais bin Saad Misri, Rahmatullah He was a tab'i tabi'i. Sahaba, anhum, after them come the tabi'in, those who saw the sahaba. And then after the tabi'in comes the tab'i tabi'in. So he was among the very prominent tab'i tabi'in. Lais bin Saad Misri, Rahmatullah among the very close students of Imam Malik associates, contemporaries, in one sense. So in any case, regarding him it is mentioned, and he was such a person, before coming to the incident itself, his annual income, his annual income was between 70 to 80,000 dinars. 70 to 80,000 dinars, annual income. Now one dinar is one solid gold coin. So in our context, 70 to 80,000 Krugerrands, annual income, with the buying power of that time, not today's buying power. So that now to multiply how many more times? So nowadays if somebody of that nature, if that's his income, then he'll be in another bracket. Previously they used to say telephone figures, now telephone figures say what's that? It's nothing now. Now he's talking about it, Allah knows best, what figures? Before telephone figures were like a very big thing. So now maybe it's a telephone figures with an international code. And so he would have been earning in that level. And despite that, it is mentioned about him that zakat never became farz upon him. That was his annual income. 70 to 80,000 dinars. And not once in his life did zakat become for upon him. Because as it came, he just dished it out. Whatever came, it carried on going. But now this was because he was earning with that same heart, the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. And once one woman came with a little bowl, she said, my husband is very sick. And he sent me, he said that he heard that you have some honey. So he sent me with this bowl, he's very sick, don't have anything. If you can please just give us some honey. So he sent a message to the person who was in charge of all his things, that give this person one of those huge containers of honey. That container which the, the size of it, which the, has been written in the kitabs, amounted to about 120 ratal. This is about almost 80-90 kilos. So the person who was in charge of that warehouse or whatever, he came to sort of reprimand Lais bin Saad, Mr. Rahmatullah that what are you up to? This person wants one bowl of honey. You giving this whole big drum of honey. So he said, you just give it. They asked according to their capacity. Their capacity was only to ask for that much. I am giving according to my capacity. 
So in any case, once he was a great faqih, a great muhaddis also, once some traders came to buy some crop from him, some fruit. So the deal was done, they bought it. Now after the whole deal was done, everything, the whole group of traders came from far away. And then they sit and start thinking about it. They say, no, we don't think we did a good deal. This is not going to work out for us. By the time we take this fruit and go back to our place, and the price that we paid for it, we're not going to really make anything out of it. It's not going to be worth the trouble. So they came back to him to ask him, please, can you cancel the sale? He said, very well, cancel the sale. That too is a great virtue to cancel the sale. One is not obliged to do it. There's no obligation. But if he does it, great reward. So he accepted it. He cancelled the sale. After he cancelled the sale, then he asked for his money bag. And he took out 50 dinars, 50 gold coins. And now he gave it to these people. Now they came to buy something from him. They bought it. Then they cancelled the sale. So he lost out on the profit of that sale. And now on top of that, he's giving them 50 dinars. So his son objected. What are you doing? One is we lost out on the profit of the sale. On top of that, now you're giving them 50 dinars. So he's saying that, he replies to his son, that these people came in expectation of a profit. That they will come, they will buy this produce, that they will take it back to their place, they will sell it, they'll make something out of it. So this was all the expectations they had. And now they came and then they realized that it's not going to work out for them. So all these expectations have been dashed. All these hopes have been dashed. I couldn't bear to think about it, that these people came specifically with this expectation and now they will go empty-handed. So they didn't do the deal, the deal fell through, but at least they'll go back with something. Now this is the heart of a person where the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is there. It doesn't matter. Whatever happened, happened, but it's my Muslim brother. So let me give him something. And let me send him off with that. Now when this was his heart, then this was his income also. That every year, his annual income is between 70 to 80,000 dinars, which even in that time was a very great amount. But this is how he is conducting business. There was one Jamaat that came some years back from Makkah Sharif or Madinah Sharif. And one of the people in that Jamaat was a jeweler. So he was giving his own life history, how things went on and how things turned around among one of the very, very big jewelers. So, explaining that before he became involved in the work of Deen and so on, things were very, very lax. There was no consciousness. Then, Allah's Tawfiq, he got involved in the work of Dawud and things started taking a turn. So now, he decided that the business also has to be run completely according to the way that we are required to do it. So he said to his sons, etc., who were in the business, that look, what has been taught in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu has said, Zin wa Arjih. He said it in his own words, but this is what he was referring to. The Hadith Sharif, Zin wa arjih. That when you are weighing something, you are measuring something, you are weighing something, then you put a little more for the customer. 
you weigh it in his favor. So now, make sure we act upon this also. So they told him something wrong with you. We are not weighing rice and beans here. We weighing gold here. So every little extra that we are putting, add all that up at the end of the day, how much it comes to? You saying must put something extra? He says, well, we are going to act upon this Hadith Sharif. And as long as I am alive, this is how it will work. So now they had no choice but to follow the instruction. So reluctantly, half-heartedly, they had to do it. But as they continued doing it, he says the business just carried on increasing. Now outwardly, a person thinks the other way around. Somebody who is doing that business without this ihsan, without this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, his concept would be that if I can cut a few milligrams out of this, at the end of the day I'll save so much. And at the end of the week it will be adding to so much. At the end of the month it will be so much. And in one year's time, I'll be able to start off another business with only those milligrams. Now that is his hisab, that is his calculation. But in Allah Ta'ala's calculation, that every milligram that he is chopping short, and he is short-changing the customer, that every milligram is one blow to the roots of all the barakat. And one blow to the tree of his rizq. And he carries on chopping and chopping and chopping. And then suddenly one day everything is not there. And here, outwardly it's a loss. One grain and another grain of gold. It's outward loss. But if Allah tells us, it's something else. That he's doing it with that ihsan. That this is the teaching of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi And his nazar and his gaze is on the treasures of Allah Ta'ala. Not on makhluk. So when he is doing his business his, with ihsan, then his gaze will be on Allah Ta'ala's khazana and his treasures. Not on where it seems to be coming from. But where it cannot be seen and where it is really coming from. Allah Ta'ala says in the heavens is your risk. And what you have been promised. So now when a person is acting with this quality within him, then his salah will also be something else. His tilawat of the Quran Sharif will also be something else because that ruh has come in. Then his business will be something else. His profession will be something else. That profession also will be for the sake of the service of the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, it will be how he can manipulate something to try and just merely get that person's pockets unfilled and fill it in his pocket. But when he's doing it with this ihsan, this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, then even that will change. Then with this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, with this ihsan in his heart, then even how he conducts himself in day-to-day life will change. Then this annihilation of the self will happen. This ikhlas will come. Because everything is with Allah Ta'ala's consciousness. The reality of ikhlas will come. Because this self, this nafs will get annihilated. Then this tawadu, the reality of tawadu will come. Then it will be very simple and easy for him to be of service to the to Allah Ta'ala also. He will have one end, on the one side his ta'aluk with Allah Ta'ala correct, by means of the correct ibadat, correct amal. 
And on the other side, he'll have his ta'alluq with the makhluk correct by means of the correct akhlaq. And then it'll become very easy for him to humble himself, to do things which for us might be far-fetched. How can it even be? Hazrat Mahusin Ahmad Badni, just one example, was among the giants. And he used to get a lot of visitors. And they would be talking about India at that time. People would come, they would stay for many days sometimes. And even if a person came just for a day or two, he would often end up staying because he'll catch the next train the next day. So now all this, and in that time, the toilets were the bucket system. And now so many guests. And that would be cleaned by the person who comes to clean it once a day, twice a day. So now this was an ongoing thing. So many guests, obviously, by the time the next morning comes, what is the condition? Hard for people to even use the toilet. But then people realized that somebody noticed that somehow every morning this place is clean. And that Bhangi, the person who is responsible for coming and clearing things, he doesn't come in the night. He doesn't come early in the morning before Fajr. So how is this clean? And there's so many people using this place, only one toilet. So this person became curious. Something is, there's some secret behind this. So he sat quietly and waited one night. And of all people he sees, well after one o'clock in the night, Hazrat Mawlana Hussain Ahmad Badni Rahmatullah with his lungi and his just one t-shirt or something like that. And he comes and he cleans his entire toilet. And he carries that bucket on his shoulder. And where all this is dumped far away, he goes, dumps it, and then comes and leaves it clean for who? For his mehman. Now where does this come from? How can it come in an insan? Is this humanly possible for us to think about it? But it was humanly possible for him to do it. But where it came from? That he thought nothing about himself. Who am I? I am nobody. Now this is what they really thought about themselves, despite being very great somebodies. In terms of the bandhas of Allah wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala had blessed them with a very great rank. But this is it, that the higher a person goes in reality, the lower he thinks about himself. He believes himself to be. Not just something that's a passing notion. There's a conviction within the person. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And then he conducts his life in a way that he is just a nobody. But where this comes from, from the same ihsan. That when this ihsan has been acquired, then this ibadat will be done correctly. This mu'amalat will be right. This mu'asharat will be correct. This akhlaq will be right. Because all this will come back to that consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. Whatever a person is saying, he's saying something also, مَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ He's conscious. Allah Ta'ala is aware of what I'm saying. And even Allah Ta'ala's angels are recording what I'm saying. That too will be presented in front of me as evidence. What he's thinking, and how he's thinking, now this thought, Lays bin Saad Misri Rahmatullah's incident we spoke about, now this was a thought in his mind. Where did this thought come from? Such a thought? 
Where can this thought come from? This thought can only come from that same consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. These are the bandhas of Allah Ta'ala. So, he wasn't thinking purely in terms of dunya. His gaze was on akhirat. So now, many things which outwardly would be very difficult for somebody, became very easy for him. Hazrat Madni Rahmatullah's incident, something for us, very, very far-fetched for us to think about it also. But he was doing it every night until somebody just found out. Hazrat Shaykh Hind Rahmatullah, the first student of Darulam Deoband, he is a giant of the time. And one person, Mawla Mu'inuddin Ajmeri Rahmatullah, comes to visit him for the first time. He doesn't know the person, never met him. He's only heard about him, read about him, and he knows about him without having seen him. So he comes to visit him. So when he comes, this person is dropped off by the rickshaw at the house. He sees this is the house. So he comes, knocks on the door. There's one person opens the door. Again, just dressed very, very simply. It's a hot summer's day. One person in just one lungi. So he says, I've come to meet Sheikh Hind, Ma'am Mahmoudul Hassan. He says, oh, come, come inside. Oh, you'll meet him just now. So he seats him. Then he brings something for him to drink. Now the hot days in India, summer, and no electricity to even think about any fans. So everything was the hand fan. So now this person who is apparently the khadim, the servant of the house, that's what he appeared to be. So he comes with his hand fan and he's fanning him. So he says to him that, look, I want to meet Sheikh Hind. He says, don't worry, you'll meet him. Then after a while he goes and he brings some food and comes and he's serving him. So after he eats now, he says, but when I'll meet him now, he's fanning him. He says, don't worry, you'll meet him. He says, that he's getting irritated. That I've got limited time. And now you are wasting my time now. So eventually now, when he started getting irritated, so then... The person who is fanning him says to him that Sheikhul Hindi sa koi to hai nahi yaha banda ko Mahmudul Hasan kehte hai. There is no Sheikhul Hindi but Mahmudul Hasan is this servant. That's the time this person realized that who I came to meet was serving me all this while. And this is that giant who people are in awe of. And he has humbled himself in such a way and is thinking nothing of himself. Hazrat Gangui Rahmatullah one person used to write very uh, malicious things against him. Every now and again he's publishing something very malicious. And with the worst kinds of uh, things that, that one can write. Hazrat Ma Yahya Rahmatullah the father of Sheikh Ma Sahib Rahmatullah he was the khadim of Hazrat Gangui Rahmatullah and he would read all the correspondence to him, everything. So initially, a couple of times, because this would come addressed to the Gangoi, so he would read it out. After some time passed, nothing was being read from this person. So one day the Gangoi said, for a long time we haven't read anything. And he has published other things openly also. So read something to me, what has he written? He keeps writing against me, let me hear it. Let me hear it. So Yahya says, look, I can't read it. Gangoi had turned blind by that time. He said, I can't read it. He said, why you can't read it? He said, it is full of swear. So the Gangoi Rahmatullah replies to him, 
अरे दूर की दूर की गालिया का क्या बड़ी स्वेरिंग फ्रॉम माइल अवे वॉरिड अबाउट दैट वो कहीं लगती है दैट एवर रीच समी रीड इट रीड इट टू मी सो दैट आई मे जिस थिंक अबाउट इट आई मे फॉन्ड ओवर इट मे बी द समथिंग इन बिटवीन द लाइन्स ही स्टेटेड विच आई कैन टेक अ लेसन फ्रॉम नाउ दिस इज समबडी हु इज कॉन्स्टेंटली मेड इट इज मिशन to try and degrade and humiliate the dungwi rahmatullahi and is writing the verse filth about him and from him also the dungwi rahmatullahi saying that let me re- hear what he is writing maybe somewhere between the lines there's something that i can probably take some lesson from now where can this come from this only comes from that same ihsan from that consciousness of allah taala that a person can ignore all this and be conscious of what's my improvement where i can benefit something from where i can progress in deen how can i get closer to allah taala and from wherever from my arch enemy also so this hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this hadith of jibril the entire aspect of it whatever was discussed there nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said ataakum yuallimukum deenakum all this constitutes deen Unfortunately, we restrict and confine our deen to iman. Alhamdulillah, that is a very great thing. That is the foundation. And together with that, with the amal, that too is invaluable, and we cannot dismiss it. But deen doesn't stop there. The ruh and the soul of deen is this ihsan. This is the soul. Otherwise, it's like a lifeless body. and when this ihsan comes this ihsan brings alive the ibadat it brings alive the amal it brings alive all the sifat this brings alive ikhlas it brings alive tawakkul it brings alive taqwa it brings alive total trust in allah tbaraka wa taala and total tafweez and submission to allah taala whatever is allah taala's will one is heart and soul resigned to it like one poet states that har rang mein razi ba raza ho to maza dekh har rang mein razi ba raza ho to maza dekh duniya hi mein rehte hue jannat ki fiza dekh if a person has got raza bil qada now this comes also from this ihsan as this ihsan progresses this aspect of raza bil qada comes where a person is totally in has handed himself over to the decree of allah taala he will make dua for afiyat he will make an effort whatever he has to do but his heart has submitted itself to allah taala he will whatever he has to make an effort for whatever dua he will have to make he'll carry on with all that that won't stop but his heart will be submitted to allah taala and when he has done that then har rang mein razi ba raza ho to maza dekh since that when you are pleased with allah taala in every condition then see the pleasure of life duniya hi mein rehte hue jannat ki fiza dekh in this very world then see the atmosphere of jannat because a person has submitted himself to allah taala so all this is the the effect of ihsan so this is what the effort is how to develop this ihsan and to become those true servants of allah tbaraka wa taala that their private life and their public life is one life because allah taala is watching everywhere 
that their external and internal is in one. That where their eyes are looking down in the presence of people, their hearts are also looking down. Now if in public, and there's some woman passing by, then our eyes will go way down. Because now, people are watching me, what I'm, they're watching where my eyes are watching. So because people are watching where my eyes are watching, my eyes are down. But then my heart must also be down, because Allah Ta'ala is watching my heart also. The heart is not taking haram pleasure. The haram heart is not now trying to still steal something. So that will come when there's ihsan. And this is the effort. This is the purpose of this effort, the object and the goal. To acquire this quality of ihsan, this consciousness of Allah wa ta'ala, which then transforms a person's entire life. And for this is all the efforts of deen also. Whether it is the work of da'wat and tabliq to keep developing this iman to the level of ihsan. And whether it is the company of the sulaha and the pious and ahlullah, that from their company also to acquire this nur of iman. And this nur of ihsan. And the zikr and tasbihat and amal that a person does is all to bring that same iman to a level that it becomes ihsan. So this is what the whole objective is. And this is what we have to keep in front of us. And the more we keep looking at this, pondering over it, thinking about it, self-inspecting within ourselves, introspecting, looking deep within ourselves, how much of this have I gathered? Have I gained? And to keep moving forward. Our success is that we keep walking. The success is that we keep walking. The success is not that a person hasn't ever fallen. Not ever falling, that is not in our guarantee. But keep walking, that is in our capacity. Allah Ta'ala has given us that capacity. That if a person has fallen also, he can wake up and walk. A person has slipped up somewhere, he must make sincere tawbah, cry to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's mercy is waiting to enshroud every person. And Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving, most merciful for those who would sincerely come back. For those who would beg for that mercy. Allah Ta'ala's mercy is waiting to envelop them. So we have to turn to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. We have to now get back to Him, cry for over the things that we have done and mend our ta'aluk with Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala again then we are successful in dunya and successful in the everlasting akhirat as well. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me an order for the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.